0: Go straight to the reading of scriptures. It's from 1 Samuel 25, which is on page 6. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I, even, I never even saw the messengers you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present I have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have done not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek your life, you are safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all He promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. then you, want, then you won't have to carry on your conscience, this st- carry on your conscience, the staggering burden of needles, of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me. David replied to Abigail, "Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank you for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murdering the man and carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her gifts and told her, Return home in peace. We will not kill your husband. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal had bit had thrown a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until the next morning. The next morning, he was sober. She, when he was sober, she told him what had happened. As a, role, a result, he had a stroke and lay on his bed paralyzed. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise the Lord, who has paid back Nabal and kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then David wasted no time in sending messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. May God bless the reading of his word.
1: Um, just to give you some background, we've been going through a study in, in 1 Samuel, and uh, Next week will be the end of that sermon series. Um, Before I I get into this, I want to thank you guys who came yesterday to uh, our open house. And for those who couldn't come, um, it is still an open house. Please, uh, we would love for you to come by. Um, I just really am thankful. Um, When Kelly and I were working on the house, many of you came, helped paint, watched our children, gave us something to eat. Thank you so much. Um, you really have been a blessing and continue to be a blessing um, to us, and we appreciate that. And uh, again, our house is always an open house. Um, as long as you don't mind some junkiness sometimes, mess, children running around. We have a dog and a cat. Um, that's an open house if y'all want to come on in. Um, no problem. Um, Something else I forgot. Sorry. We're just kind of human up here. Um, When we baptize a child um, here at Christ Central Church, it is our tradition. It is not a tradition of the church. It has no, um, you know, uh, extra God-given power, but every child that's baptized, we give them the bowl that was used in the baptism, and we write on the bottom their name and the date, and just as a traditional sign um, for that child of what the Lord has done and to the parents. So Key and Terrence will receive this um, at the end of the service. All right. Just to give you a little background before we get into this. Uh, um, David has uh, was in the court of Israel's king, King Saul, and King Saul tries to kill him, and David is on the run. David has hooked up with a group of... Uh, let's call them outcast, um, probably a group of ex-cons, probably some people who've been rejected or running away from their own issues. He has gotten together with them, and they are now a gang of sorts. Well, this group of men, uh, with David, are camped out, and, uh, they're camping near Nabal, a rich man. They're camping near where his sheep are grazing, and, um, They're camping and kind of watching over the sheep, and they're not going in and taking advantage of them. And uh, for that reason, when it's time to share the sheep, which means you're about to take your money to the bank, your check to the bank to cash it in, um, David and his men get nothing, Um, not even water and bread. Um, So let's look at this scripture um, again. Now, before you have to endure hearing it 20 times, now and to the end of this year, as you listen to the radio or shop or go to church or watch your fair share of television specials, I want you to hear it here again for the first time this year for most of you. Joy to the world. Listen again, for I have discovered in its word and message as we look at this narrative of Abigail and David and Nabal, that this often background Christmas song written by Handel back in 17th century is and has always been a message and song for fools. Hear the words again. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns, let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, and wonders of his love. A song for fools. A song for fools, for it is foolish to believe that such a wonderful and crazy love should be given to a world and people gone so bad by such a good God. A song for fools because it is about a joy that is given for a world that has not deserved or earned it. A song for fools because without its message of intervention, we will continue to be such lost and in the dark. A song for fools because it is a message that is sent to sober and rescue the foolish those mistaken about life and themselves to rescue those made fools even by the folly and meanness and evil of others around them to be a song for fools, for those who can't sing it true for their own good. This narrative is about God's joy given and brought to and for a couple of fools, foolish men, foolish acting men, David and Nabal, God's joy given by the wife of Nabal, Abigail. She has to come and intercede and go between them and themselves. It is by her that God sings for them and now to us his song of truth and grace. We see that this lady, Abigail, Nabal's, Nabal's uh, wife, has to intercede because they, like we often do, they, they mishandle justice. Now, Nabal received a, a service and as a result, he benefited. He was rich and was secured in that wealth by David and his men. Now, these men were encouraged not to steal, which is hard work for David, who had a group of vagabonds and outlaws working for him. And then they actually protected the sheep from being harmed by anyone else. I mean, let me explain this. This was a time of of Philistine marauders and and pirates who would come and take your stuff. It was normative not to have all your sheep at sharing time. Now, it would be like having contractors, fixing up a house. Y'all know about this. Now, they're not all licensed. Some may be ex-cons. Some may be here semi-legally. Some may even be crackheads or alcoholics. But come on, you you urbanites moving in and gentrifying neighborhoods, you know what I'm talking about. Looking for a good deal. You know, I, I live in one of these neighborhoods where, you know... I don't have to go down Independence or go to the bar or look in a phone book for anything. I have more than enough share of my hustle men and women for everything I need. Somebody came by the other day. You need some sirloin steaks? Now, she didn't come with a refrigerator in a truck or anything she's had in a bag. Do you need a sirloin steak? But uh, imagine, but they do good work on the house that you are going to live in and possibly sell in a pretty rough neighborhood. You move them with some pretty rough guys working on the house. In the meantime, because of their presence, nothing gets taken and everything goes well. And you and I sell and then decide that because these contractors are just hustle men, you didn't have to pay them. Back in verse 4, this is what happens. Nabal says this, When David heard that Nabal was sharing his sheep, he sent uh, 10 of his young men to Carmel. He told them to deliver this message, peace and prosperity to you and your family and everything you own. I am told you are sharing your sheep and goats while your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel. We never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen. Ask your servants and they will tell you this is true. So would you please be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration. Please give us any provisions you might have on hand. David's young men gave this reply to Nabal and waited for his reply. And this is what he said. Who is this fellow David? Who does the son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and water and the meat I slaughtered for shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? In other words, those bunch of derogatory ethnic or class term, you fill in the blank. Those bunch of red words or N words or some Hispanic mean word of your own choosing, They don't deserve or worth or are worth anything. Now, what is he really doing and saying? It is this. I will not be just. I am not just, regardless of the what or the who, I don't have to, I don't respect these men, I won't, I will do wrong by them. As a matter of fact, the word used to describe Nabal's act is the same word used to describe birds of prey swooping upon some animal to eat them. He is eating them, he is treating them wrongly, he is stealing what is due them, and worse, swooping and stealing their worth as human beings. You know, there is a Walmart that you and I, that's close to us in this area, that it's hard to shop in. Mm -hmm. The Walmart on Central Avenue and Eastway. Most of us will take the drive to Target or we'll take the drive to the other Walmart because things are everywhere. And I'm like, Kelly, what's wrong with Walmart? Why, I mean, I've been to Walmart plenty of times. Why is it crazy? I mean, this is this stuff isn't in the right place. It's not cataloged properly. The price tags aren't right. But if you go to the Walmart on the south side of town, oh. And I'm like, they're not trying. When I looked around the room, I realized. And I, and I look at the different Walmarts. There is something sort of unjust going on. The fact that we have to pay taxes, we need the government and the law to make us do justice. We have to pay people to do justice for us because we will, we will take advantage. I don't care how good you think you are today. You will take advantage of people that are easily taken advantage of. That's why we need Judge Judy's in our lives. Because we will get by on the expense of others. I mean, this is, this is cutthroat capitalism. Come on, Americans, you know how it works, right? I've had so many conversations with people, you know, you know, uh, upset that, 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 you know, well, let's, let's leave the, the you know, um, I don't want to get political here, but the war in Iraq and people just concerned about oil, and yet if you talk to them about their own wages, but I still want to make a high wage. The beast is affecting you too. We all uh, will take advantage of others and be unjust. Now, I recently got taken by my own hustle man. I got him, you know, he cuts my grass, does leaves, you know, no license, nothing like that. No truck, just rolling up with a raggedy old lawnmower and Let me cut your grass. And he actually said to me, I had a friend of ours who owns a lawn company, Do Our Lawn. And he came up to me, he goes, man, you gave my hustle away. And so I promised, he's my neighbor, I want his business to succeed. And I said, you come and do my lawn. And one time he came to do it, and I paid him ahead of time. And man, I'm getting a good price too, okay? And I got mad because he didn't come back and do the work after I paid him. And Terrence says, that's good, because you're trying to get by. See, you're trying to get a low price. If it was another company, you'd be paying higher. Uh, you know, it's true. And here's how, and I am ashamed. I fooled myself. In the name of community and getting to know people, to use this hassle, man, to get a low price. Sometimes I'll even offer them a beer. The price just went lower. Yeah. We all do it. And then what we do, now come on, I know who's in this room. Then we'll go in our little social circles and brag to our friends about how we got a deal when we were really unjust and unfair. And for the unrighteousness and foolishness that we are, we need intervention. I mean, we need intercession. And in this narrative, Abigail has to intercede for her foolish husband Nabal. Look at why if we look at verse 17. It says here. I don't. I don't think you have this in your your scripture. But if you have your Bible, chapter twenty five, verse seventeen, the, the the man comes to her and says, you know, um, uh, Nabal did wrong, and and, and she says here, uh, he says to her, you better think fast, Abigail, for there's going to be trouble for our master and the whole whole family. And listen to this, he's so ill temper ill tempered that no one can even talk to him. And then in verse 19, go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband what she was doing. And we know why. In verse 25, I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man, she tells David. But please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the messenger sent to you or I would have intervened for him. And then in verse 36 and 37, When Abigail arrived home, now she stopped David from killing her husband for taking advantage. Listen to this. This is such a crazy man. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal had thrown a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until the next morning. He can't see and he can't hear the truth. He's cut off in the drunkenness of his foolishness to do anything to save himself, to spare or protect or justify his own life. L- let me explain this to you. The description we get of Nabal is not about a man having a bad day or, or making one mistake. The fact that his name is Nabal, which means fool, is so- tells us that he can't break himself out of being a fool That is his character. That's his nature. He's of of being evil. He can't break out of being evil, of not seeing and knowing and doing what is right. He can't be used to, to redeem or fix himself or his world. So his wife, Abigail, has to go and do it for him. She comes and repays and redeems and saves his foolish life. She, through her gifts, Her sacrifice gains mercy for this man and his family and his life. She has to get it, for it is impossible that this fool get it for himself. A fool mistaken about himself and his life and the situation. Now, I will tell you, God's message to us found here in Scripture sometimes carries a hard edge. Concerning our abilities to know ourselves and to fix ourselves, to make our lives and our world right, you know what scripture tells us? It says that you and I can't even know how evil our own hearts are. That you and I can't even know how bad we are on our own. That we can fool ourselves. that, that That we are simply like Nabal. That we're drinking and celebrating our lives with no thought to or knowledge of how foolish and dangerous we are to ourselves and others understand this Nabal's behavior was going to not only kill him but his wife and children and every man of the household and eventually as we see in scripture it does end up killing him and Abigail had to intercede for like us He can't hear the truth for his own good because his heart is so twisted and turned within. He's so convinced, self-convinced by his personal wealth and faulty stability that he can't even hear the truth. I was hanging out the other day and I heard someone talking about how much they hate church because all church does is rant and rave about sin and how bad everyone is. And I realize that as many of you hear this message, many of you, you are running in your hearts to the next safe place. You know, you're, you're kind of chalking me in this message up possibly as one of those crazy sort of Neanderthal fundamental things about people are foolish and sinful. Men, or, or that you, some of you think are trying to fix yourself and, or that you're pretty good and you're cataloging in your mind all the good things you've done. As you hear this message, we tend to distance ourselves from being people like Nabal. Or, or many of you are thinking that this part of the message about being a fool is for those non-Christians or, or bad people. The fools that can't be us. I mean, you know, I was where are those bad people? What, what, what part of the city do they live in? What country are they? I mean, where do you think the good people are? Some of us go to the other extreme, don't we? Looking for a way to flog yourself. To bad boy, bad girl, yourself. Some are trying to outsmart the message. You know, you're too sophisticated and wise to be taken by this narrow, ancient view of human depravity. You know what? It's not safe to be a fool. Like Nabal... We have to ignore or drown ourselves in in drunkening thought and theories away from the talk of being unjust or wrong. Why? Why do we do that? Because we have not seen or known where it is safe to admit being wrong. If you're wrong, what will you do? What will you do with all that guilt? We have nothing left, some of us feel, but our Nabal worth. The worth that the Bible says may come from foolishness. You think I have nothing but myself, my own thinking, my own heart. Sometimes it is better to kill my wrongness or my ability to be mistake prone with the pride of life, the pride of myself. So we run from being caught lacking we counter, we look for safety even with religious participation. Some of you are great churchgoers, but you fail to realize how desperately lost and foolish your heart is. Some of you are so good at doing good. You know, you're you're nonprofit junkies. Well, I gave my money here and I let this person go, and I'm a part of this board, and we're doing this for the some of you are. You just strive to be a good person. And what you're doing is you're seeking shelter in something faulty because you know deep down that your heart can't handle being as just as you must. But good news, your song can be changed. From if being the way I am is wrong, I don't want to be right. Good news for Nabal anyway. Look at what Abigail does. She gets mercy for her husband. And in doing so declares that God is a God of mercy. That that God actually intercedes for fools. She, go, she, she goes ahead of him. She goes instead of him. She goes ahead and admits to his being a fool and makes provision for it. She stops condemnation from coming on her husband. And, and, and she's actually true for him when he can't be true. Actually, in calling David to not shed blood and murder, guess what she does? She declares that this fool is worth something to God. That this fool is worth something because of God. And for that worth, for the mercy God would give him, she asked that the sin of Nabal, this foolish husband, fall on her. She says, let his foolishness be secured by my gifts to you, David. She comes to redeem a fool to do what he cannot, to bear and address the judgment in a way he could not with a message and means of mercy before King David. But not only for the apparent fool does she intercede, but the one who almost becomes like Nabal the fool. See, some of us are like David. The injustice has been done to us. We've been given unfair wages for work, some of you women, you're paid less and treated like less in your jobs. Or you who are less powerful than the rich or privileged or so-called perfect. You know, you're actually taken advantage of because you can't cover, you don't have the money or, 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 or class connection, if you will, to cover your character faults or issues or handicaps. some of you have some blotches on your record, some spots. And people actually look and say, well, you did this. Sorry, I'm not going to treat you fairly. Maybe there's a social or physical handicap. And because you haven't always been good, people treat treat you like nothing. Like Dave and his men deserve to be treated like nothing. Now, for those done wrong, be careful. For Abigail not only has to intercede for the one who lacks justice, but for the wrong who responds to injustice wrongly. Listen to what happens in verse 13. Well, let's start at verse 10, actually. Who is this fellow David? Who does the son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their master. Should I take uh, my bread and water and meat I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's messengers returned and told him what Nabal said. And David says this, Get your swords. Was David's reply? He strapped on his own. 400 men started off with David, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. And then, if we look at verse 20, it says this and she abigail was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine she saw david and his men coming toward her david had just been saying you know how you're angry and you're saying stuff under your breath i can see him riding his horse make me sick you know and he's saying this a lot of good it did to help this fellow we protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he's he, he owned was lost or stolen but he has repaid me evil for good may god Deal with me severely if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. And then Abigail says, "Let me stop you from murdering." Yeah, he was about to murder someone. He's about to, to, to though wrongly treated, about to do a self authorized, unauthorized regulation. He was about to lead these already bloodthirsty men with him to do a ancient drive by to get back to a big payback to to take life without a right to do so i mean he did wrong somebody going to have to pay somebody going to die tonight he's going to make things right but in the wrong way his actions are more about making things but his actions are more about making things right it's more about making things just David wants to be justified. He wants dignity. He wants to make his and his men's lives count for something. I remember I, I, these guys were about to fight at school. And one said, look, let's go ahead and, and throw down. Because this heart don't pump no Kool-Aid. And the point was, I am a human being. I got blood going through my veins. He, David wants to make his and his men's lives Help for something. David is going to do more than look for reparations. He's going for redemption. To, to take back by the blood of Nabal and his household, his very worth. He is fighting to declare that I am worth something. I don't care how rich you are. Your blood will be on the ground. That I am worth Personally, a human being, I am worth bloodshed. I'm nobody's fool or dog or animal. We are human beings, even though we may be a group of outlaws, worthy of respect and honor and dignity. Somebody gonna die tonight. Self-worth, dignity, value, personal place and purpose stolen by someone else is worth redemption. Getting back. Fighting for, wrongly for some of us, sinning for. Eye for an eye, right? I realize we struggle in this way, and this applies not only to personal offenses, as in this case, but applies to the systems or system of relations we engage in, like work. It's a dog-eat-dog world. It's a cutthroat industry. Industry. Get them before they get you. That's if it's about look it's about looking out for number 1. Then I'm going to look after myself and protect myself and I'm going to climb the ladder and I'm going to step on heads and backs and legs to get to the top. Come on for many of you to stay alive or viable or feeling like a person fair turns into returning are turning to the evil that actually hurts you and guts you and turn it on them. This means not only avenging and righting yourself in your life because someone has done something unjust, but for most of us, if someone has even gotten away of our lives going the way we think they should go, then they got to go. It would only seem balanced right that you and i if there's an injunction to to our train we will derail everybody and everything if i'm not getting there you ain't getting there things haven't changed since the school playground you hit me i'm gonna hit you back or if you hit me i'm gonna go get my friends and then we gonna come and hit you back man y'all watch espn lately Sports getting out of hand, isn't it? And I want, the, at the Clemson, South Carolina game, um, I graduated from Clemson, my brother graduated from South Carolina. They started it. And um, <laughs> after the game, after this, this bench clearing brawl, they interviewed the players, and one guy says, Hey, we, we got to represent. If somebody hits our player, we're going to go and do wrong and help them out. Wrong meaning not the security guards and the troopers and people authorized out of the way to get a punch on somebody, to throw the helmet into the stands of Clemson fans, all kind of messed up stuff. But by Abigail's word to David, we get something different, don't we? That it's wrong, not only to murder when you are murdered, quote, by ill treatment, but that it is wrong to seek to justify yourself I mean, look at her words and actions. Verse 25, uh, verse 26, it says, So now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies be as cursed as Nabal is. She declares that it was the Lord's good favor, that it was the Lord's will, Now, let's call the Lord's will the right thing, okay? Just for discussion here. The Lord's will that you not avenge the wrong against yourself. That you not seek self-dignity in a world that seeks to erase it. That you not seek to save or redeem or repair or regulate or even get even in in the game or feel worth something on your own. I will tell you when I read this, it sent me spinning. I mean, what? This is foolish that we should not seek to justify ourselves and build ourselves up in reaction regard to those in the world around us. Come on. We should be able to regulate when things ain't right. Here is the message, though. Worth and dignity and favor and security and redemption and fixing of such things is not yours to do. It is given and granted for you rightly and justly and perfectly by God himself. Look what Abigail says in verse 28. She says this. Please forgive me if I've offended in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty for you are fighting the Lord's battles and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek your life you are safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lies of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't Let this be a blemish on your record. Then you won't have to carry on your conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me. The dignity and value that he sought to get on his own and recover by his own hands was originally given to him by God. And this thus could not be recovered by himself. But God grants back the dignity and lost humanity and justifies that which has been wrong. God does the payback. God does the healing. He fixes the rifts within. And we see in the story that Nabal dies and David says, praise God, my enemies have been destroyed. God brings justice rightly to David's situation. See where it all started. Abigail looked out and met David on the road to his seeking self-healing. Abigail looked out for and met David in his search for well-being. She looked out for and met him in his failed attempt at self-protection. Abigail looked out and for and met him in a hard world where he was called to be hard with it she looked out for and met the torn and distressed and deficient and those men with them who are easily taken advantage of in the fire of being hurt. She looked out and met him with words that say this, God himself has spoken different concerning you, that he's spoken better concerning you Hear his voice against this cruel world. Hear his song again. A song for fools. A song for you and me. A song that calls us to see God's joy to the world. For those of you who don't know or haven't guessed it, Abigail's name means just that. The joy of the Father. You see... God sent Jesus to be our Abigail, to intercede for us Nabals and for us Davids. The Bible tells us that it pleased the Father to send him, to send his son to meet foolish people like you and me on the way to self-destruction. To meet us with an assurance that we are worth more than we have or even can see in and for ourselves. That he was sent to redeem the so-called fools. To redeem the unredeemable. To bring and be the perfect payment for our sin. To be the security for those of us who need mercy in our wrongdoing. And real dignity in our search for significance and meaning. God meets you in Jesus Christ. He meets you when you have been turned out. And on in the wrong way by yourself and others. And his message in his coming communicates to us what Abigail communicated to David. That because of Jesus, what is true about his coming and being sent for you, that you are secure in God's treasure pouch. Now hear this. Here's the message Jesus gives us. That he treasures you in your life. That regardless of how others or systems have made you angry or hurt or ill-treated, you are a treasure to God. That in Christ you will not be and have not been overlooked and your cause and cases has not been forsaken or forgotten. He sees and he hears you and says, As our God said, Abigail, all that has been done wrongly against you, let it fall on my son Jesus And let the joy that he is one with his own blood be yours freely. The Bible tells us that it actually pleased the Father. That it gave the Father God joy for your sake to sacrifice Christ so that people who are fools, foolish, and mistaken in their thinking about themselves and their world, and their God can have mercy. Can be extended life and grace and comfort. Can actually be safe in their mistake. Meaning be rescued and made true out of their mistake. And for Christ our Abigail. Those who are once fools. Or on the way to being fools. Or struggling with foolishness within without. Can join in singing joy to the world. The Lord has come for fools like you and me and called us his treasures. Let us pray.